You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you around the league with Doug Ferrara, Bleacher Report, and Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Brian Costello from the New York Post. Brian, thanks for taking the time. So we know this is the silly season prior to free agency when we hear about these huge numbers being thrown around. But the Jets really prepared all for Kirk Cousins a deal worth $150 million. I think they are. You know, I think that's what it's, it looks like it could take. Uh, it's going to be in that neighborhood, at least, you know, with Garoppolo getting $27.5 million a year. That's kind of where you start off with, and it looks like Cousins is going to have a lot of bidders, and obviously he's even more of a proven commodity than Garoppolo right now. Um, you know, you could argue those guys, but Garoppolo only had seven starts. Cousins is going to start over three years, so I think he's going to be in that neighborhood. Brian, does that force the marketplace to be a little lopsided when you when you go off of how we've gauged who should get a certain amount of money based on their play, and most importantly, having a chance to win a championship? Yeah, I mean, the quarterback market is always going to be silly. You know, it's always going to be – they're going to be overvalued in free agency. They're going to be overvalued in the draft. You know, we've seen that through the years where guys get drafted that don't belong in the top ten and they're there because they're quarterbacks. So, it's kind of the way it's always kind of been. And right now, there's been a run of these contracts and everyone's looking for a franchise quarterback and the Jets haven't had one in about 40 years. So, they're, they're at the front of that line right now and they – the last time they really tried to do this through free agency, like a big signing, Cordell, you'll remember, they signed Neil O'Donnell, and that didn't work out too well for them. So, But they've um, you know, they've tried to draft. They've tried everything. So I think they're prepared right now to dip their toe into the free agent market again. Brian, what can you tell us about other potential wrinkles in the deal for Cousins? You've reported $60 million potentially in year one, or how about the notion of making the entire contract fully guaranteed? Yeah, you know, I reported that that was a, a possibility, like that they could they could do that, not that they would or were willing to. I I, don't, I think that's unlikely that they do that. But the point was, the Jets ha- are going to have about ninety million dollars in cap space after they make their their veteran cuts here with Muhammad Wilkerson and Matt Forte probably going. So you know, if they wanted to get creative and just kind of blow him away, they could offer him sixty million dollars in the first year. And that that's feasible, guaranteed, and they still have money to do some other things. Now it's unlikely, but they could do that. And you know, other people have talked about it being fully guaranteed. I can't see a contract being fully guaranteed for 150 million dollars because if a team fully guarantees, what that means is they're cutting a check that day and giving it to the NFL office and it's put in escrow because they want to make sure you're good for it, basically. So you know, that's a huge, huge check to cut, even for billionaires. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to do that, and I also think that's just a dangerous precedent to set. For I think other owners are not going to be too happy with a team that does that because everyone is going to be looking for that. So I, I can't see that happening. In the end, it's probably going to be more of a traditional deal, but there's going to be monster numbers involved with this contract. I mean, Brian, I would agree with you. When when giving one player that amount of money, it, it somewhat handicaps 
everyone else in a sense of what you can do in the next year or two years after that. You kind of set yourself back probably about three years. But what does this team need if they were to grab someone like a Kirk Cousins and give him the 60 million bucks? Or let's just say, hypothetically, they do come up with this idea of saying we want to give him a fully guaranteed contract. How do you build around Kirk Cousins to allow this team to be competitive uh, through that division and throughout the conference? Well, here's the good news slash bad news for the Jets. They've drafted terribly over the last 10 years, all right? Especially if you look at the period from 2008 to 2014, there's no one left, right? There's a few players that are okay. You know, Wilkerson is going to get cut. He was probably their best pick out of that run. They traded Sheldon Richardson. Um, So they don't have guys that they have to pay on their own roster. So they have some flexibility. That's bad news, and that's why they are where they are right now. But it's good news for them in that they have a lot of flexibility with the salary cap, and signing guys is not going to handicap them as much as, like, say the Minnesota Vikings, right? You look at them. They've got a lot of players that they're going to have to pay in the next few years. They've drafted well. They've got a lot of good young players. The Jets don't have that. The next guy they really have to pay on their roster is Leonard Williams, and they can wait till 2020 to do that, really. And after him... You know, maybe it's Darren Lee, but he hasn't really proven himself. And then you're talking about last year's draft class, which they're way down the line from getting paid. So um, the, the Jets kind of benefit from how, how poorly they've drafted through the years and that they have all this salary cap flexibility right now. And they really wouldn't be hamstrung if they did go out and sign a Cousins. And really, if you look at it, other than safety, where they drafted Jamal Adams and Marcus May last year, they could look at any position and say, we need to upgrade this position. You could make an argument. So they're going to be active in free agency, I think, beyond Kirk Cousins. Focusing on the Jets with Brian Costello, the New York Post. Brian, there's a lot of guessing involved with draft analysis, but you have an informed opinion. Even if the Jets give this colossal amount of money to Kirk Cousins, which direction do you think they could be leaning with the number six overall pick? Well, again, like I just said, they could do, there's so many directions they could go with that pick and feel like, okay, we hit a need here. Um, McCagnan has proven that he's the best player available guy. He drafted Leonard Williams, and at the time, the Jets had Wilkerson, Richardson, and Damon Harrison. Defensive line was not a need, and he took Leonard Williams because he was the best player on the board. He kind of showed that again last year with taking a safety not only in the first round, but the second round. So I do think, you know, everyone says best player available, but I do think McCagnan will stick to that and can stick to that because the Jets have so many holes. Unless the guy is a safety, they could take him and they're filling a hole. Um, But the biggest ones beyond quarterback to me are an edge rusher. They haven't had one of those since John Abraham left town, you know, over a decade ago. Uh, they need a number one cornerback. I think they're going to try to bring Morris Claiborne back, but he's he's not a long-term you know number one guy. And uh, after that, I'd say maybe a running back. You know, if Barkley somehow fell to six. They, I think they'd jump all over him. Um, and you know, they they start to, they need to start rebuilding that offensive line too. So the kid Nelson from Notre Dame, I know is highly rated. I can see them taking him. Um, but really, they could go in a variety of directions at that number six pick. How realistic is it for Kirk Cousins to come there? Because we know the offensive coordinator and Jeremy Bates used to coach under Mike Shanahan. I mean, I know there's there's yeah. conversation because it sounds good, but realistically speaking, this is about as close as to being real as, as, as we know the draft is coming up pretty soon because of that relationship and understanding who Kirk Cousins is. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, the Bates thing, I think, has kind of gotten overstated. They never even worked together. They met one time before the draft, I think. So, yes, he knows the system, but, you know, I don't think 
that's going to stop Kirk Cousins from going somewhere if he doesn't know the system. You know, quarterbacks do that every year. They go somewhere and learn a new system. So, to me, you know, you're looking at it as Kirk Cousins. It's going to come down to does he want every single dollar he can make or is he going to be looking for, uh, you know, the best winning situation? Because I think if it's money, the Jets are going to be right there. Uh, I think the Browns are the only team that have more cap space than them. That, could, that are going to be in this thing. But if it's, you know, if he wants to go somewhere where he thinks he's going to compete for the Super Bowl right away, that's not the Jets right now. They're, they're you know, he'd be the first kind of step in them building up that offense. So, um, to me, you know, he's he said in interviews that he wants to go somewhere to win. So, if a team like the Vikings gets involved or a team like the Jaguars, if they move on from Bortles, uh, I think, you know, the Jets might have a tough sell if, if he's, his biggest thing is winning. Brian Costello, New York Post, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Brian, last one for me. We know that drafting is an inexact science. Feels like the Jets have proven that repeatedly, as you mentioned. But what has held back Christian Hackenberg so much after they devoted a second-round pick to taking him out of Penn State that the Jets wouldn't even put him on the field in meaningless circumstances? Yeah, you know, the problem is where they picked him, um, really. You know, if Christian was a fifth-round pick, Nobody would have even been paying attention to what was happening in the last couple of years and him not playing, and that's probably more in line of where he should have been drafted. The Jets overdrafted. It's clear he's not a second-round pick. If he was a second-round pick, he would have at least gotten a shot in the last couple of years, especially with the Jets' quarterback situation. You know, In his rookie year, Ryan Fitzpatrick had a terrible season, um, and they, they ended up moving on to Bryce Petty, and he never got in the field. Then last year, Josh McCown had a pretty good season, but then he gets hurt. And they move on to Bryce Petty. There was opportunities to play Hackenberg if they really wanted to, and they didn't do it. So I think that tells you everything you need to know. But to me, you know, it's really not Christian's fault. It's he did. The, I feel bad for him, and that he got overdrafted, and I think that created unrealistic expectations for him. Ryan, great reporting on Kirk Cousins. Thanks so much for joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks for having me, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. A year into Donald Trump's presidency, we still don't have answers to basic questions about how his family business works. Like, who are their business partners? Or is the business benefiting from his administration? Is Trump acting on behalf of the country or his company? Trump, Inc. is a podcast from WNYC Studios and ProPublica, where we dig deep and ask questions about President Trump's family business. We're looking for answers, and you can help. Listen to Trump, Inc. today on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, taking you around the league with Doug Farrar from Bleacher Reports. Doug, thanks so much for taking the time. Many of our listeners are still learning about quarterbacks like Josh Allen. We know the upside to use the scouting terminology. Big body, big arm. How concerned are you? His completion percentage was less than 60% at Wyoming. Yeah, I mean, and, and completion percentage, I mean, as you guys know, sometimes it's the main problem. Sometimes it's kind of a, a symptom and it reveals other issues. I mean, with Allen, you've got, it's, it's a long throwing motion. It's pocket movement. It's how he deals with pressure. It's things like that. Um, I mean, if the, the, the line I've had with him is he's a two- to three-year prospect in my mind on an NFL team. And if you, quote-unquote, raise him right, he could be Joe Flacco uh, in the wrong system. He could be Mike Glennon, and we all know how that turned out. When you look at all of these quarterbacks, I mean, each one of them have something different to offer. Uh, of course, Baker Mayfield, I think, of the, for the top four, 
I'd rather be Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen. He has a little, he has a different fire about him because maybe he had to prove his way to a certain, to this point, a little different than the rest of the guys. If you look at Baker Mayfield, what does he offer uh, in comparison to the other guys? You know, I, Mayfield is my second favorite quarterback in this class behind Lamar Jackson. And I think, again, you're dealing with, I mean, all these quarterbacks are going to need to be in specific systems. And that's true of most quarterbacks. You're, you're Tom Brady's and Aaron Rodgers's and <laughs> Russell Wilson's don't come along too often. Um, I think with Mayfield, you know, the height is an issue only if you don't look at how the Saints and Seahawks have created line splits um, for viewing lanes for Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. Michael Vick was six foot. So that's only a problem if you don't work around it. I think he has the potential to be an electric playmaker. Um, you know, I think he's a very intelligent guy on the field. Uh, you know, the gunslinger stuff with some of these guys, him and Rosen are the two guys where I go, wow, the, the quote unquote gunslinger tendencies, the sort of Jay Cutler throws once in a while where you're like, why did you do that? But I think in the right system, uh, you know, heavy boot, right. Keep him on the move. Um, throw some run-pass option in there. I, I think he could be really good in the right system. Doug Farrar, Bleach Report, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Since you mentioned Lamar Jackson and you evaluate him highly, what do you make of Bill Polian repeatedly saying Jackson should focus on playing receiver in the NFL? I'll go back to 1968, 50 years ago. Uh, there was a guy named Marlon Briscoe who was on the Denver Broncos in the American Football League set the rookie record for the Broncos in touchdown passes, which I believe still stands. I don't think even John Elway broke it. And the next year, they tried to convert him to receiver, and he refused. And he wound up being a receiver on the 1972 Dolphins, obviously the only perfect team in NFL history. But I always wonder, like, what if he had gone to the CFL? You know, what if Warren Moon hadn't gone to the CFL because they wanted to make him a defensive back in the NFL. I think when you watch Lamar Jackson's tape, I mean, there are issues to be sure, but I don't understand. I mean, why doesn't Josh Allen play tight end? Why doesn't Baker Mayfield play slot corner? I don't really get where that's coming from. Well, Doug, do you think there are I mean, racial overtones to that analysis? You know, I'm not in Polian's head, so I don't know. But I'll say this. When you watch Lamar Jackson's runs, I mean – it's not like he's running routes. He would be more like a, a Tariq Cohen or you know Tyree Kill before he learned routes. I mean, it would take him, in my mind, a couple of years to get a route tree together because you know the, the complexity of routes you're running in the NFL. That's the other aspect of this I don't understand. So he runs quickly and he's able to elude people. Well, those are characteristics you would more frequently see in a top level running back how he all of a sudden is going to magically become a wide receiver at a high level, having to run, you know, complex routes at the NFL level is beyond me. I just look at it as more of a, a prejudice approach of how the old school GMs, let's just say that that's what Bill Polian, because I remember when I had the opportunity to go to the combine, Doug, and, and the Indianapolis mm-hmm. coach came up to me and them and the Chicago Bears, they said, can you try out a running back? And guess who was the GM uh. then? Bill Polian. So, yeah, you, know, you wouldn't kind of, know anything about this, would you, Cordell? I have no clue whatsoever. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just hanging out with you guys. <laughs> and that, yeah, but, there you go. It, it, the thing is, is for me is, you know, when you see someone, and Bill Polian said this, you know, exceptional talent. 
You know, and sometimes when you watch some of these quarterbacks that uh, that's allegedly supposed to be the great ones moving forward, it doesn't always pan out. Look at Tom Brady, six-round draft choice. Look at look at Russell Wilson. Correct me if I'm wrong, the third or fourth round uh, draft choice. And look what he's done for his champ. Both these guys have done for his championships. If you get them in the right system and you actually mold these guys to be something that they want, following behind a veteran, maybe that 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 exceptional talent can be pretty exceptional at the quarterback position, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, Doug. Well, a couple things. I mean, I was watching the his game against Florida State last year, and Florida State plays, I mean, it's a lot of man, it, you know, a lot of really highly regarded players, and justifiably so. They run some complex stuff, but it's, you know, it's pattern matching and, and aggressive man coverage, and they have the players to do that. Well, he threw an absolutely gorgeous touchdown pass, which was over 30 yards, right in the hands of the receiver. He threw another one to a different part of the field later in the game that the receiver dropped, and it was absolutely in the receiver's hands. Now, both of those were throws from the pocket. So, and, you know, Polian saying things like, well, he's too short. He's 6'3". What do you want? You want a 6'7 quarterback? Is that, you know, what is your standard as far as what he can and can't do as a quarterback? The other thing Lamar Jackson has, which I think makes him really dangerous in the right system, and I'm sure you guys have noticed this if you watch his tape, Michael Vick used to have this. He could flick his wrist Mm -hmm. and throw it 40 yards on a dime. That's a really rare ability. I don't, you know, I'm not so into quarterback mechanics that I know how that's possible. But Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick are the only two guys I've ever seen who can just flick it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has this to a point, but he flicks it and it goes 40 yards and it's accurate. Now, does he get a little too finessey with it at times and he has some inaccurate passes? Sure. Does he need development? Yes. But to say he does not have the potential to be an NFL quarterback, in my mind, is absolutely ridiculous. Talking draft with Doug Farrar. Check out his great work, BleacherReport.com. Doug, what do you make of the comparisons between Baker Mayfield and Johnny Manziel? I find that to be lazy analysis. Uh, well, I, you know, <laughs> Baker Mayfield works in an offensive system. Johnny Manziel, and you talk to A&M coaches, he was basically, you know, kind of running Sandlot the whole time. And that came crashing down on him when he went to the NFL, which requires more structure. The off-the-field stuff, I mean, unless you've got proof, uh, I wouldn't go there. If you're comparing Baker Mayfield to Johnny Manziel on the field, you know, I, I think Mayfield is a far more evolved quarterback than Manziel ever was. I know some may have that first pick with the Cleveland Browns, a quarterback, whether it's Josh Allen with, with understanding that Mel Kuyper with his 2.0 choices. You have Josh Allen, I think, sitting there, and, and others may have uh, Sam Darnold, but they need a running back, both Cleveland as well as the Giants. What do you see Saquon Barkley falling into this mix? He could go top four. Um, you know, I like him a lot. I like Darius Geis. If he's more of a power guy, Geis reminds me a lot of Marshawn Lynch in his prime, which is uh, a pretty estimable thing. Um, and obviously the Browns, I mean, they, they played, <laughs> they kind of played hooky with Deshaun Kaiser all year. I don't think Hugh Jackson believes in Deshaun Kaiser, whether that's a fair estimate or not um, to his talent. I, you know, I don't think they're convinced that he's the guy. Now, if you're going to take someone first overall and he's not a quarterback, you know, is there that level of, you know, that particular 
player in this draft whose talent supersedes his positional value. Could Saquon Barkley be that guy? I mean, I've seen a lot of negative runs with him, and part of that's kind of a byproduct of his elusiveness. But, like, when Jalen Ramsey came out of Florida State, I thought, if I had the number one overall pick, I'd take this guy. Because he can play about four different positions in the defensive backfield at an extremely high level. And in my mind, cornerback is the second most important position in football right now behind quarterback. So if you're making that move to say, we're going to draft a running back at at one or three or four, that guy had better be at kind of an Adrian Peterson level as opposed to, you know, just a good first-round running back. Doug, let's wrap it up with UCLA quarterback Josh Rosen. So much talk about his strong personality, but do you think that's truly going to be a factor? Because I'd be very surprised if he's still available once we get past the top five. That's going to depend a lot on the coach. I think, I mean, I've been around, I'm in Seattle, so I've covered Pete Carroll since he came here in 2010. I know Pete has absolutely no problem guys who speak their mind and are uh, borderline obnoxious on the field at times. And that's, it's kind of a money ball thing, a hidden value thing, because there are other coaches who will not touch those guys with a 10 foot pole. And the coaches were more, more open-minded to different personalities. Like, Hey, you know, more stuff for me, bring it on. So I think if Rosen gets in the right system with the right coach and that coach is like, you know, I, we can manage the, whatever the personality issues are, as opposed to the group think, um, I think he'll be fine. If he gets with a coach who wants to camp that down, there could be problems, but that's true with any type of player. Doug, I enjoy reading your work at Bleach Report. Thanks so much for joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks a lot. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. The boys of summer are back. And a fly ball well hit. Back to the wall. He leaps. Can't get it. It's a home run. MLB spring training is here, and you can catch every game from Florida and Arizona live with your subscription to TuneIn Premium. Rivalry games, split squad games, TuneIn has it all. When the pitch count begins for real, catch every game of the 2018 MLB season from opening day to the MLB World Series live on TuneIn. It's gone. It's a home run. Major League Baseball is on TuneIn Premium. Listen all season long. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we welcome in Kent Summers from the Arizona Republic. Kent, thanks for taking the time. How do you think the club is going to approach their glaring need at the quarterback position this offseason? Well, I think first off, they go after a veteran. They they have to. You, you, you can't wait until the draft when you have no quarterback under contract and who that veteran is. I don't know. I, you know, they could be in the sweepstakes for Kirk cousins. I don't, I'm a little hesitant to think they'll spend that kind of money. I would think more like a, a Sam Bradford, a Teddy Bridgewater kind of guy and, and uh, use a, a high draft pick for somebody. When you think of those two quarterbacks or the few quarterbacks, you, 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 it's almost like you have to ask yourself the question, are they coming in just to fill a spot? Are they coming in to actually help this team be relevant to have a chance to win a division, win their conference, and also go to a Super Bowl? Well, as it as it stands now, they you know they're built defensively to go to the playoffs. They're they're that good. I mean, they they've really improved and they got some pieces on that side of the ball. But so many needs to address on offense, and not only quarterback, but you know the offensive line has to be restructured. They're really 
aren't any receivers behind Larry Fitzgerald. Their tight end situation is questionable. They, they do have David Johnson back at running back, fully healthy now after missing almost all the season with a dislocated wrist. But a lot of, lot of needs on offense. And, you know, Steve Keim, their general manager, has shown he can do this. Uh, he's done it before. He did it five years ago in his first year when Bruce Arians was in his first year as head coach. They, they got Carson Palmer, and they became respectable right away. But it's a, it's a big hill to climb for this team on offense. Talking Cardinals with Ken Summers of the Arizona Republic. Kent, many of our listeners probably don't know that much about the Cardinals' new head coach in Steve Wilkes, who used to be the defensive coordinator in Carolina. Why do you think he got the job, and what do you make of the coaching staff that he has assembled? He got the job. There, there's definitely he, he definitely has a presence about him. Very, very smart, very in control. Um, Michael Bidwell, the team president, said he was looking for a guy that he felt comfortable with who, who could command a room that players would listen to. And you talked to a lot of Steve Wilkes' former players, um, you know, his defensive backs coach in the league forever, guys like Peanut Tillman, uh, you know, uh, Antonio Cromartie, you know, Josh uh, Norman, except, et cetera. They, they love the guy. So, and I think he's put together a, a, a decent staff. You know, former Chargers head coach Mike McCoy as his offensive coordinator. Uh, Al Holcomb, who was with him with the Panthers as his defensive coordinator. He's got a nice blend on his staff of, of guys who have coached in the NFL and other guys who have spent their careers at the college level. So, we'll see. He seems to be very happy with it, although, you know, no head coach is going to admit that, you know, he didn't get the staff that he wanted but we've we've spent the last two days meeting the staff and getting to know those guys and it's a it's a pretty impressive group yeah and thinking about that group they're going to have a chance to to hopefully get a healthy david johnson back tell me about what you see so far from him and, and what's the hopes when it comes down to him getting back on the field yeah the hopes are are, are are sky high that he can do what he did two years ago and have you know a couple of thousand yards in in total offense as a threat both as a runner and a pass receiver. They've got a veteran running backs coach here now in Kirby Wilson, who's been at various stops, including Pittsburgh and the Vikings. And most recently with the Browns, he's worked with some elite running backs. So he knows what he's doing. Mike McCoy has shown that he's, you know, flexible enough to, to, you know, mend his, his system to the talent at hand. So I, I think it'll be a, a, a big year for David Johnson if, if he stays healthy, and, and he should. I mean, it was a dislocated wrist, a serious injury, but it wasn't a knee injury. It wasn't something that, that should linger and, it, and affect him at all in 2018. Ed Summers, Arizona Republic, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Kent, it looks like Adrian Peterson's limited time with the Cardinals is coming to an end. Do you think Arizona will prove to be the last team he plays for and his career is over. Now we're talking about Canton, Ohio. Yeah, you never know. He wants to keep playing. He said when he arrived here, he thought he could play four or five more years, and he certainly looks to be in that kind of shape. But we all know, any of us who have followed the league for a while, when a running back loses it, he loses it quickly. Uh, and Adrian had a couple of big games for the Cardinals and then some other games where he just had difficulty finding any hole in, in any space. And I think the Cardinals will go younger. You know, and the, and the question with Adrian Peterson, he's he's been the elite running back for so long. Would he be willing to go to another team and, and to make close to the minimum to be a, a, a second 
or third running back. Certainly that wasn't the case in New Orleans. That's why New Orleans traded him to the Cardinals. So, you know, right now you look at it, you wonder, you know, who's going to take a chance on a veteran running back. I, I don't think anything will happen with him once the Cardinals release him. I, I don't think anything will happen with him until, you know, August, September, maybe when, when uh, you know, a team has a couple of injuries and, and needs immediate help as, as, uh, as the Cardinals did last year when they traded for him. Larry Fitzgerald comes back. David Johnson's healthy. Get a solid quarterback. I think that division, with not knowing for sure what's going to happen with Seattle, San Francisco, they're trying to find their ways. Um, you look at this division, there, there is some hope. Uh, if you can get a quality quarterback and a few players I mentioned, and Tyran, Tyran Matthew, if he can stay healthy, they could really make a run at being one of the better teams in this division because they kind of split it sometimes when it comes down to how they play against one another, including the Rams. Yeah, and, and you know, defensively is where this team's strength is. They, they, they you know, are, are good up front. They have Chandler Jones, who had 17 and a half sacks last season. They get Marcus Golden, their other outside linebacker, who missed almost all of last season with a knee injury. He should be able to be back. They've got Patrick Peterson. You know, if they keep Tyron Matthew, if he agrees to take a, a pay cut, he'll he'll return. So. That defense will make them competitive. You know, I think the thing that scares Cardinal fans, though, is that they're the only team in the division that isn't set at quarterback for the long term. I mean, the other three teams have quarterbacks who are still fairly young, and the Cardinals have zero quarterbacks under contract. So, you know, I, it, it should scare their fans. It's a, it's a big worry. Um, Steve Kime, the GM, and Michael Bidwell have, have tried to allay fears by saying, look, we were in this same position five years ago and we traded for Carson Palmer. But, you know, I don't know that that's anything to be bragging about when five years later you're still not set at quarterback. It's It's a huge concern. Kent, great information as always. Thanks so much for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. You're welcome, guys. Thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. TuneIn has what you need and when you want it when on the run and on the go. Covering all musical needs. Today's hits. Latin hits. Country roads. Hip-hop beats. Sit down. Supporting artists and the music they make exclusively on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we visit with Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. Vinny, thanks for taking the time. Let's talk quarterbacks. What did A.J. McCarron show you in his limited run filling in for Andy Dalton? How good of a full-time starter do you think he's going to be now that he's become an unrestricted free agent? Yeah, that, that's the big question because uh, now we have more evidence on a guy like Case Keenum than we have on A.J. McCarron because he's played a lot longer. So I think when you look at the Browns' interest, it makes sense. Hugh Jackson was there when they brought him in as a draft pick there behind Andy Dalton. So they're going to take a long look at him. The things have changed a little bit, bringing in uh, Todd Haley. It's a slightly different type of offensive spin on what Jackson typically likes to do. So we're going to weigh there. I, I, I think with McCarron, he's a guy that I'm not going to trust my entire franchise to, but when you're looking at $16, $17 million a season for your quarterback, that's just the reality of what you're going to have to accept to pay him. I think he's a guy definitely, if I'm going to bring in, even if you're going to pay him that much, I want him to compete with a young guy to really earn that to see what I have. But it's going to be interesting to 
for sure now because I think he falls in line behind Keenum and Sam Bradford to see where his value kind of lies after Kirk Cousins uh, comes off the board, so to speak, with his big contract. Vinny, I know sometimes we like to take one player uh, because he has so much talent, like uh, let's just say a, a quarterback to a running back or, or a free agent of the, just say Kirk Cousins, for example. We would love for him to be everywhere, right? We, we would love to see Case Keenum having a chance to be everywhere, but there's only one place, and Saquon Barkley. How would you put him into these top three spots or top five spots? Because we know there's a running back that's needed in Cleveland. Of course, they may try to get a quarterback. Of course, we know Giants need a running back for sure. They may be looking towards the future uh, and trying to grab a quarterback as well. How do you slide him into those first two spots, knowing that a running back is very instrumental with what maybe they want to do on the offensive side of the football? I think you have to weigh what you're doing because it's fine to get Barkley, but remember, with Ezekiel Elliott, uh, his success taking him early was the fact that the Cowboys had this offensive line where you could plug him in there and uh, know he was going to live up to his expectations, uh, his own natural talent, but also having the blocking as well. So team like the Giants right now are going through a blocking crisis. You have two guys that are free agents that they're going to have to replace with uh, Weston Richburg and uh, looking at Justin Pugh as well, who was a, a these two guys are pretty good a couple of years ago, kind of faded as they worked in other positions, had some injuries. But another guy I look in there is, I mentioned the Cowboys and what they've had with their line. Zach Martin was a big pick. Quinn Nelson, the kid from Notre Dame. So if there's an opportunity there to get this elite blocker early, and then you look later in the draft, you have a like a Darius Geis from LSU or either the uh, Georgia backs there, Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb. If you can get a combination like that, get the elite running back, and the other back, that's fine. But when you look at a team like Cleveland that has stockpiled 12 picks there, they do have the luxury to go get Barkley at number one or even number four and then go from there because they already upgraded their offensive line last year. So it's really knowing about how you're going to bring the big picture together with your run blocking and that back. And I see the Giants going to Dave Gettleman, knowing the importance of the power running game. That's going to be a big emphasis of that team in this offseason. Taking around the league with Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News. Vinny, I don't want to count anybody else's money, and capitalism says go get every dollar you can. Kirk Cousins is going to break the bank, but if you believe the reports that the Jets might be willing not only to give him $60 million in year one, but fully guarantee the entire contract, isn't that a major risk for somebody who has Kirk Cousins' resume? Definitely. I mean, this guy... I put quarterbacks into glasses. There's the guys like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers that are less dependent, that could still win, even if things are breaking down around them. I don't think Kirk Cousins is one of those quarterbacks at this point. We saw what happened. You lose Deshaun Jackson. You lose Pierre Garçon. Jordan Reed gets hurt. All of a sudden, your play diminishes as well as the offensive line injuries in front of you. So he's a guy, when you look at the Jets, and he's got to think about this. He's going to turn 30 here. We know he's been a pretty good quarterback, but how good does he want to be? We know he's going to be defined by his opportunities in the playoffs and taking a team there and winning there. And when you look at the Jets, questions about wide receiver, you have questions about running back, questions about offensive line, defense. It could be two or three years before the Jets team wins. So I think money is not going to be an issue for a lot of teams that can bring the same type of money, especially the ones that are going to go after Cousins. Uh, when you look at maybe the Broncos and Vikings and Browns, these teams are going to come up with competitive offers. I think for Cousins, the half of the decision is going to be on him. Is money is going to be comparable. Do you want to go to a team where you can redefine the kind of quarterback you are? Do you want to be the front-end piece and not know if you're going to get all that help? So 
as much as the decision is on the other teams, it's also on Cousins the way to see how he wants to be perceived with this big money. Give me your take on the Indianapolis Colts with Andrew Luck. Like, what do you what do you see them needing to do to help him out a little bit? Because every year the, the season ends, he's he's not healthy, uh, missing twenty six games in three years. That's a tremendous amount. Uh, what do you see them needing to do to help out his scenario and situation when it comes to the big hits and the injuries that force him to get surgery of some sort at the end of the year? I think they've tried their best to build the offensive line. It still hasn't worked at a few positions, but. Uh, They've also had some injuries there, especially at center, where they thought they had that settled and all that. So offensive line, I still think they could use work there, shore up the, the situation all across. And I think you need to diversify your offense a little bit. You've been in a situation where you relied on Andrew Luck to throw downfield with T.Y. Hilton or someone else to really go that route. But they really kind of rounded out the offense in terms of giving that consistent slot receiver, the consistent running back out of the backfield that can make those plays. Because – Get the ball in your hands more quickly, spread things around. And I think with Frank Wright, you're going to get more of that. They've been maybe dependent on him to just sit back and throw downfield, take the licking, and uh, make impossible throws on uh, second and third and long. They need to shorten up things, make things easier, provide more balance. And I think that's one thing that you expect Frank Wright is going to know firsthand how to do based on uh, how much support Nick Foles that that Carson Wentz got. Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Frank Reich departing Philadelphia. Nick Foles still there for now. Do you think Foles truly goes back to being number two on the depth chart coming off that outstanding run in the postseason? Or is he an asset? The Eagles could chop him, maybe get a first-round pick if they deal him. I think they're going to have to weigh a lot of things. And one Number one thing is the progression of Carson Wentz through this major knee injury. And it's not like a... It's uh, Deshaun Watson or somebody else that had this injury a little bit earlier in the season. It came very end uh, in December, uh, mid-December. So we know typically that's a nine to twelve month recovery, and that, that puts them right on the brink of maybe returning at full speed at week one, or maybe a training camp best case scenario. So you got to weigh that. And I think the Eagles just learned how valuable the backup plan Nick Foles was. That you had him signed and uh, he delivered. That's what you want. And your guy goes down and he's able to win with the pieces around him. I know he played very well down the stretch and he, this is, his value is never going to be higher, but he still has a high value to the Eagles because of that ability and what he just did. And that, I, I think if they get a better idea that, okay, Carson Wentz looks like he's on track September week one, we're going to go there. Then they might have the luxury to deal him, but it could be a scenario where they need him uh, just as much as some other teams at this point. Vinny, when you look in the NFC West, that division is starting to pick up just a little bit, adding Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers. Uh, but, the, but the Legion of Boom, uh, give me your take on how that's going to look once the season starts. You know we heard uh, Earl Thomas uh, basically soliciting, so to speak, uh, to Jason Garrett and wanting to have a chance to be a part of the Dallas Cowboys team and the injuries uh, to the players that we know on the outside uh, when it comes to Richard Sherman and also having Cam Chancellor and his injury. How do you see that looking once the season starts this upcoming season? Well, I think you're going to see some uh, major transition of the defense of Seattle, not just uh, the Legion of Blue and secondary, but it looks like uh, Michael Bennett's on his way out. They're going to have to change things on the defensive line. They're going to try their best to keep Sheldon Richardson, which was a great pickup for them from the Jets. So they got to worry about that. But Legion Boom, I think you're going to start to see it uh, kind of go away here because Cam Chancellor, we know his injury is uh, career-threatening there if he's ever going to be the same player, if he can return. And then you have Richard Sherman about to turn 30 here uh, coming up in March. So 
He's a guy that we know at that position, it starts to diminish just like running backs at that age. So, and uh, you know, Byron Maxwell has a free agent as well. So all their backup plans and things are not looking as good to keep that uh, Legion boom attack. So this is going to be a team that's going to start figuring out some things in terms of younger players in the secondary. And then I, I see an offensive-minded team going forward. I think this gives them the opportunity to get out of these contracts and maybe invest more in that offensive line and help Russell Wilson because that's where this team is going to be winning here in the next uh, five years or so. Chatting with Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News. Vinny, are you buying the Gronk retirement speculation? To me, it feels like a pretty obvious attempt to get more money out of the Patriots. I think I can see it both ways in terms of Gronk is a guy that's had a ton of injuries. This is his first real concussion issue there. At the end of the season, he's made a ton of money. He's a guy that's been very judicious with his money. He's saved all kind of the salary base that he's gotten and the just really spend his endorsement money. So fortunate to be in that sense where he has the power to walk away, but at the same time, the Patriots might have that ability to convince people. We know with uh, Josh McDaniels returning, the Patriots uh, can convince people pretty strongly of a staying. So Gronk, uh, they do have to look at maybe upping his contract here. He probably gets one more shot at this big deal before he hangs it up here. So uh, I think definitely it, it's a two-way street here, but I think it's not just an empty threat for Gronk. The landscape for quarterbacks uh, moving forward when it comes to new contract has has contracts have really jumped through the roof. Uh, whether it's Andrew Luck with his eighty seven million bucks guaranteed to Jimmy Garoppolo with his one thirty seven uh, contract only playing five games, and now hearing Kirk Cousins may get one hundred and fifty million bucks guaranteed from the Jets. Why is that the case for a Kirk Cousins and not yet for someone like an Aaron Rodgers and a Drew Brees? Yeah, this is just going to be weird all the time. Just every year the guy who's up next to get the money is going to be the highest paid and it's going to keep going and going and it is a concern for teams because uh, that's what you're going to have to pay to get a guy like Cousins but you're still not 100% sure you're getting anybody close to a guy that's going to uh, lift the Lombardi trophy for you. So uh, this market it, it, it looks like when you go through the draft versus free agency, taking multiple shots at the draft and is a lot better way to go because you're going to hit on somebody. You're going to find somebody like a, a Dak Prescott. If you take enough chances, uh, there's someone out there that you can be successful with and win. And getting a guy like that also buys you some time because they had this lesser contract. We saw that happen with Russell Wilson. The Cowboys had a little bit of a window here as well. So I, I think when you look at it, the ideal situation is finding a third or fourth round quarterback that's not going to happen for a lot of teams and now they get stuck. If that quarterback doesn't work out, then you're paying uh, close to $30 million a season. You're handcuffed and really can't do much else. So you, the pressure's on right now to hit on that uh, veteran quarterback as much as possible. Vinny, we appreciate the information. Thanks for joining us on the NFL on TuneIn today. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.